it's the next level. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying? You know, violently. I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. Okay, kids. Um, quickly, just a bit of a correction from last week's episode. Last week, I said that Edmund Purdom was fired. Uh, being director for Don't Open Till Christmas, that he was fired from the job. Actually, no, he quit. Um, he quit the job, and then Derek Ford took over, but he was fired, actually, after two days of directing. They that, uh, The distributors then brought in Ray Self, who uh, completed the direction, and Alan Birkinshaw also rewrote parts of the script. Uh, apparently that included the original ending and the London dungeon sequence. Um, all in all, by the end time, by, by the time the end of the film was done, Edmund Purdom had returned. He finished the film. la di da di da That's why he got the final credit, I guess, was because he started and finished as film director. Anyways, he, I, I more or less wanted to say he didn't get fired. He quit the job originally. Uh, it was Derek Ford who got fired after two days of trying to direct. So just wanted to clear that up. I, I found that out um, only a couple days after I released the episode. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not normally one who corrects a lot of things on the show. I know I make a lot of mistakes and whatnot. But I was like, eh, this one needs to be cleared up. So, But now it's time for our shared podcast experience. The one that wreaks havoc and bad odors. From Studio Zero and the Next Level Network of Podcasts, welcome back everyone to What, what Lurks, Lurks Behind, Behind Podcast, Podcast Zero. Zero. And this week, Postmortem Paul is taking a break. Actually, we're just dropping the postmortem part, and I'm just going to be me, Paul Williams, um, <laughs> your host from the very first episode. Um, and, you know, earlier in the show, I didn't have the whole postmortem thing. It was just Paul and his multiple personalities and whatnot. One of my multiple personalities this week is I have a f- cold. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyways, this week's going to be kind of different. I know I just dropped an F-bomb and you're like, oh, here he goes. But actually this week, most of the vulgar and obnoxious things I do on this show, they're going to kind of take a, a side note. Uh, taking a vacation with postmortem, um, leaving them under the Christmas tree. Let's put it that way. Let's let's stay within the spiritual um, season, I guess, uh, because it, this week is a special Christmas episode, um, which is weird because I planned on doing this one way back in the summer months. Um, I wasn't going to review the movie in the, during the summer, but it was just an idea back in the summer. I was like. I know a movie I want to do right around Christmas time, and it's really cool that the release of my podcast falls on Christmas Eve, which a big portion of Christmas Eve takes place in this movie. So it's kind of cool. Um, actually, both this week's episode and next week's episode, I planned doing them like back in the summer. So it's kind of cool. This week, it's episode 63. Episode 63, the episode I didn't tell you last week what it was. It was a special surprise. I gave you a hint. And no one really tried to guess, so I guess you guys have just figured, oh, well, you know, we'll see what he does. Anyways, this week's episode is from 1951, a movie that goes by the title of Scrooge, also a Christmas Carol. 
but it's the um, the version with Alistair Sim. That is the one that we'll be reviewing this week. Um, before I get into that, just a few things I wanted to um, just quickly talk about. So yesterday, myself and my sister, we went and checked out the new Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker. And as I, I wrote it on my personal social media account yesterday... I know there are going to be people that will complain about the new movie. There's been people that complained about Force Awakens. There's been people that complained about The Last Jedi. This movie will be no different. There will be people that will complain. With that said, The Rise of Skywalker is actually, in my opinion, a very fun movie. Um, ties up a lot of loose ends. It's cinematically just fun to watch it's a it's a blockbuster flick um i didn't go i i didn't want to go into the film nitpicking which i could have i mean even on the way home you know myself and my sister were talking about the film and i even was pointing out things that i can see people will complain about this 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 and this and that and oh yeah there's plot holes there's some things in the film that you're like "Mm, whatever but Overall, as just a Star Wars story, as something fun to watch, that's exactly what it is. It's, I'm not going to spoil anything. I will say it's darker than I expected. I, I knew it would be a dark film. I didn't expect it to be as dark. It's really awesome, though, and it was a lot of fun to watch. So I'm not going to talk much about it this week. Probably in a few weeks from now, I plan on possibly elaborating a bit more on the movie and what my personal thoughts were on it but it's too soon right now and a lot of people still have yet to see it so i'm not going to spoil anything i'm just going to say i do recommend it i say go have fun with it but don't go in there looking to see what you're going to find wrong with it if you do that you're only going to ruin the experience for yourself it's the way i i view it i kind of wanted to also mention because you're hearing in the background some really cool creepy christmas music and i wanted to point this out because it's it's kind of cool i've talked about this guy before or this artist on the podcast before uh sam haynes you can find them on Bandcamp. the the music you're hearing this time around is from their holiday album the gift of christmas fear and i thought it was really cool uh recently on I think it was Facebook I saw that they had that the album was available on Bandcamp for free download if you were interested. And I checked it out. Um, it's actually an older release. It's it's one, I think it was 2017 or whatever, but I, for some reason I never really listened to it. And I thought it was really cool, and I thought it would help add to the mood of the, the episode. So... That's what you're hearing in the background. I wanted to make a shout out to that. It's not the Lurker's recommendation this week, but it's something that you should check out. Uh, again, Sam Haynes instead of, you know, Sawen or Sam Hain as everyone always mispronounces it. Um, but it's Sam Haynes on Bandcamp. You can also find the uh, their full discography on Spotify as well. I think even Apple Music, although I'm not 100% sure on that. But anyways... It's now time to move on with our featured show of the week, featured film of the week. We're going to do the trailer timeout, um, and then when we come back, it'll be our shared podcast experience of uh, a film that you might not have thought I was going to ever feature on this show, but I think it fits. I think it's a, it's a good fit. Um, again, I apologize. I know I probably sound a little off this week. Um, fighting a cold. Yesterday was a lot worse than today. I wasn't even sure I was going to be able to record this at first because the voice was really starting to go. Uh, but I blasted myself with a lot of vitamin C, meds, ginger ale, anything I could think of that would, you know, try and loosen this up. So I sound a lot better than than you would have originally heard. Because originally it sounded like this. And, and not the cool, like, Beetlejuice-like sounding voice and whatnot. But anyways, I'm babbling. Uh, trailer timeout. When we come back, let's talk about this British film known as Scrooge. Or in North America, A Christmas Carol. Back in a moment, kids. Mm-hmm. 
somewhat surprised. Not unless you give me more time. Did I ask you for more time to lend you the money? Oh, no, sir. Then why should you ask me for more time to pay it back? Hard and sharp as flint he was. You ask Bob Cratchit about him. This timid and intimidated little clerk is portrayed by Mervyn John. Mrs. Cratchit by Hermione Baddeley. The little lame boy, the great-hearted tiny Tim, is played by Glyn Dearman. Michael Horden gives a spirited portrayal of Jacob Marley, the ghost who changes Scrooge from sinner to saint. Co-starring with Alistair Sim in delightful character roles are Jack Warner and Kathleen Harrison. Don't be violent, Mr. Scrooge, so you force me to scream for the beagle. The beetle, madam. <laughs> A thief for the beetle. A guinea? Here, what for? Welcome back, everyone. It's me and my sexy voice here to serenade you through this movie review of a classic Christmas tale. Okay, so this movie, this movie that we're talking about, and this movie is, um, well, I mean, it, for me to sit here and say it's very special to me, it's, I think it's special to a lot of people. Um, coincidentally, though, I mean... When it was released, uh, not so much. But anyways, we'll, we'll get to that in time. First off, the movie... Okay. movie is called Scrooge. That was its original release title in the UK. In North America, however, they called it A Christmas Carol. It is technically A Christmas Carol, so I mean, there's nothing wrong with calling it that. But when the movie was released in the UK, its original intended name was Scrooge. So, Scrooge, a.k.a. A Christmas Carol, either way, when, whenever you talk about it, people will always say, I like Scrooge with Alistair Sim, or A Christmas Carol with Alistair Sim. That's usually how they'll define it. Or unless somebody knows it was released in 1951, then they'll say, I like the 1951 version. The world premiere for this movie, this is so awesome, in the UK, the original release date was October 31st, Halloween. How awesome is that? That is, like, so effing cool. Because I'm trying to keep the language to a family environment. Or, and whatever. And That's the other thing. I'm going to preface this part as well. I'm doped up on meds right now. So, some of the things I'm going to say might sound a little funny. Um, I apologize. I am not on my game right now. The North American wide release for the film was December 2nd in 1951, though. Um, the original North American like premiere was just a couple days before, on November 28th, in New York. The first credit of the film, when the film opens, it says, George Minter Presents. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing about that. George Minter is not the director, nor is he the producer. Um, when it says George Minter presents, it, they're talking about Renown Pictures. Renown Pictures was the distribution company that he founded, and they were the ones who released the film. So that was something that always confused me because whenever I would see it at the beginning, it says George Minter presents. I always thought he was the producer or the director. He was neither. As a matter of fact, the director and the producer for the film, one guy, uh, Brian Desmond Hurst. Which, one of his credits that I thought was kind of interesting, in 1934, he was the writer and cinematographer for the movie Bucket of Blood. I think that was about his only horror credit that he had. Unless you include this film as well, which some people tend to let this movie linger into the horror genre uh, just a little bit. Um, obviously adapted from the novella by the immortal Charles, Charles Dickens. And I mean, okay, Christmas Carol, and some guy, I was even reading online where some guy wrote, go look at the Wikipedia page for all the different adaptations of A Christmas Carol. There's over 12,000 of them. He's not wrong. 
the page scrolls forever. <laughs> there are a lot of adaptations or recreations or even like twists on the idea of the story of A Christmas Carol. I mean, you have A Muppet's Christmas Carol, which is an absolute classic. Uh, Scrooged, I just recently watched that with uh, Bill Murray. That's a great movie. Um, there's the Reginald, Reginald Owen version of um, A Christmas Carol, which was that 1934, I think that was that version. Um, Jim Carrey. Did uh, he voiced Ebenezer Scrooge in, a, in an animated version? Speaking of animated, like I mean, the Smurfs have their own Christmas Carol. Looney Tunes have their own idea of a Christmas Carol, which I believe was called Bah Humbug. Um, and I mean, let's face it: like every year, there is some network in the world somewhere, whether it be Fox, ABC, CBC, BBC, whoever. There is always at least one network somewhere that has a new adaptation or a new reenactment or a TV movie or something at some point of A Christmas Carol. It happens so much, uh, literally. And it when I when I read the guy, when I don't even know who it was, but it was just some random guy on the internet wrote, "Yeah, go look at the Wikipedia page and see how many versions of this movie exist." Or adaptations or whatever. And yeah, it scrolls a long time. Uh, moving on, though. The screenplay and the adaptation for this movie was done by Noel Langley, who was also the writer for The Wizard of Oz, starring uh, Judy Garland. And, well, I mean, it's pretty. It, usually when you say The Wizard of Oz, that's the one everyone automatically goes to. I mean, so it is what it is. Um, Cinematography for this film was done by C. Pennington Richards. Uh, he, one of the credits that I noticed he had, he directed for the TV series of The Invisible Man from 1958 to 1959. So that was kind of cool. I think it was something like 11 or 12 episodes he directed. So that's kind of cool. But he did the cinematography for this film. The film editing. Now, this was kind of cool. I, I like this credit. So the film editing was done by Clive Donner. And Clive Donner would later direct his own version of A Christmas Carol in 1984. It was the uh, George C. Scott version. Uh, it was a TV movie, actually. Um, the other thing he also directed, and I remember watching this on TV the first time it ever aired. Um, he directed the Babes in Toyland adaptation from 1986. It was a TV movie that starred Drew Barrymore. Keanu Reeves and Pat Morita as the Toy Master. And I actually remember watching that as a kid. Um, let me see, 86? I would have been 11 years old. And I remember watching that. It was just kind of cool that I was like, damn, that's right. Keanu Reeves was in that. I remember Drew Barrymore. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I could swear Keanu Reeves was in that. And so when I looked it up, yep, he was in it. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the music that you're hearing in the background right now. The music is by Richard Adensell. Um, so he, this was kind of cool. It's kind of like a whole six degrees of separation kind of thing. Because um, it's not much about him. But he did the score for um, Alice in Wonderland. It was a 1955 TV movie um, that starred Tom Bosley. Bosley was well known for his work on Happy Days as Howard Cunningham. But Alice in Wonderland was his first ever appearance in anything, any TV series, movie, or anything. That was the movie that started Tom Bosley's career. And who did the music? Richard Adensell. So I thought it was kind of cool just to, like, you know, uh, just to talk about that a bit. Uh, the movie has a rating, kind of. It has a rating of PG when it's on TV. It's known as a TV PG movie. But there is no actual MPAA rating. Um, as a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, the MPAA... The <laughs> MPAA... Uh, didn't even exist uh, in 1951. That was... I want to say it was 68 because it seems to me I read somewhere a long time ago that like Night of the Living Dead, that's why it technically is a not-rated film as it came out right before the MPAA was established. So, um, so yeah, on TV, when they show this on TV, it has a rating of PG, but other than that, it has no rating, really. The runtime is 86 minutes, except in Germany, 
where the video runtime is 74 minutes. I have no clue what they take out of it. I I probably could have found it had I looked a little bit harder, but it was just one of those things where I was like, eh, it's not really that important. I mean, I'm sure they just take a few scenes out and whatnot. Probably the, the earlier part of the film or whatever, but... I know. So bad of me. Hey, here, I'm doing a review and I don't know everything. But I've, I established that last week. I don't know everything. I established that every week. I don't know everything. Um, so originally this is a black and white film. But there is a colorized version. I have both, actually. Um, uh, my colorized version is actually the VHS version I have. Which has... Uh, it's kind of cool kind of cool but sometimes not because it kind of breaks up the movie a bit but there's like little segments kind of like horror hosting except this is you know a christmas carol instead um where patrick mcnee is like talking in between like segments of the film and whatnot it doesn't do it often so it's kind of cool but it's weird watching it in colorized like like in the colorized version it's really weird watching i personally like the black and white version because i just feel that the shadows which I'll talk about that in a bit, but the shadows look really awesome when in, in the black and white version. Uh, no budget or gross profits could be found online. I couldn't find nothing on that. Uh, but I think it's safe to say the film is rich with fans' love and adoration because, for the most part, I didn't see too much negativity about this film. There was some. I'm not going to lie. It is a film, right? So there's negativity out there. But... Um, I think it's safe to say that this this film has a lot of love. So, unfortunately, like like I said, I couldn't find anything about budget or profits or anything like. And I like I hunted, couldn't find nothing. So, our starring cast, and okay, so I mean, obviously, who's our main star? Ebenezer Scrooge is played by Alice Dare Sim. And it it this is one of those things where like everybody has is aware of this version, whether they've seen it or not is whatever. But I mean, you're watching TV. There's constantly commercials every Christmas, every Christmas season on TV. There's always commercials. Oh, tonight at nine, a Christmas Carol. Tonight at midnight, a Christmas Carol. Tonight at seven, Scrooge, aka a Christmas Carol. Like, and it's always this one. There's this one and the George C. Scott one get played a lot, especially in the Detroit, Windsor, Michigan area, Ontario area. Every year I'm always seeing commercials for those two versions. And most recently, the Jim Carrey animated version has been getting a lot of TV play and whatnot. But so Alistair Sim is in this. Um, his nephew, his nephew is played by Brian Worth, um, Fred. Fred was his nephew. Um, Kathleen Harrison is Mrs. Dilber, and she's also listed as the, the the charwoman, which I had to look that up. I had never heard that expression before, but it's it's a housekeeper. She's the housekeeper. Uh, Mervyn, jo- Mervyn Johns, I almost said Jones. Mervyn Johns plays Bob Cratchit. His wife, Mrs. Cratchit, was played by Hermione Badley. Uh, Michael Hordern as Jacob Marley or Jacob Marley's ghost, uh, more or less, but he plays the live, like the living version of him too. So I don't know. Uh, George Cole was the young Ebenezer Scrooge that we saw. Uh, Glenn Dearman as tiny Tim. Uh, okay. Peter Cratchit. Oh, that's, that's right. Peter Cratchit is the brother that's got the, he's wearing his father's shirt and he's got the collars like sticking up kind of weird and whatnot. He was played by John Charlesworth. Me and my typos. My God. If you guys could see what this looks like, it's not pretty. So our ghosts, we have the three ghosts, the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present and Christmas yet to come. Uh, Christmas past was played by Michael J. Dolan. Christmas Present was played by Francis DeWolf, and the Christmas Yet to Come, um, wow, this is going to be a fun name, uh, let's say Mr. Konarski, I cannot pronounce his first name, and I'm not about to butcher this really bad, so, uh, Chishlaw. Konarski. That's about the best you're going to get out of me, kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not happening. Um, us dumb Canadians, right? We can never pronounce anything properly. Uh, fan. Fanny. 
Fanny Scrooge. Um, Ebenezer's sister was played by Carol Marsh. Uh, Mr. Fezziwig was played by Roddy Hughes. And Fred's wife, uh, the nephew's wife, was played by Olga Edwards. And that's pretty much the cast you need to know. Um, I mean, when I was looking at the like the film cast credits, like it goes on and on and on. I mean, they have every Cratchit kid is listed. Um, there's like all the different town folk, the the collectors that were looking for the money that at the beginning, you know, Scrooge is like basically get out of here. You're not taking my money kind of thing. I mean, there was a lot of cast members. I wanted to just narrow it down to the main ones. Because now it's time for the synopsis. Uh, this synopsis, um, I'm not going to lie, I stole it from IMDb <laughs> because the VHS, the one I have, doesn't give a really good synopsis. And I was like, eh, you know what, let's, let's get a more proper synopsis for this film. So, as long as I can keep my voice maintaining at a normal level... Your synopsis of the film looks like this. Stingy businessman Ebenezer Scrooge is known as the meanest miser in Victorian London. He overworks and underpays his humble clerk, Bob Cratchit, whose little son, Tiny Tim, is crippled and may soon die. He also has nothing to do with his nephew, Fred, because his birth cost the life of his beloved sister. On Christmas Eve, Scrooge has a haunting nightmare from being visited by the ghost of his business partner, Jacob Marley. He is visited by three ghosts and is given one last chance to change his ways and save himself from the grim fate that befell Marley. And that's, I mean, that's a great synopsis, actually. That pretty much nails every point you need to know. Um... And I mean, like the whole bit about the the nephew, it's good that it explains like, you know, the reason why he has nothing to do with his nephew is because when his nephew was born, his sister, Ebenezer's sister died and he always kind of held that blame towards Fred. So I felt this was probably the best synopsis to go with. Um, I felt it explained a lot. Now it's time for notes from Christmas's past. For me personally, the first time I ever saw this film uh, was my teenage years. I want to say it was probably around like 12, 13, 14-ish. I don't remember the exact year I saw it for the first time. Um, I know that the first time I saw it, it was on TV. I do know I watched it on TV with commercials, and it wasn't the VHS. Um, The VHS I bought probably a couple years after I had seen this, and I I started watching it every Christmas and... I found the VHS. The VHS copy I have is like, um, there was a, this company in Canada called HGV Distribution. They used to take a lot of main films, like like major films and whatnot, and they would reproduce them, but like on the slower speeds on tape. So like instead of it being like, you know, a full like SP, you know, and standard play, it was on the extended play or um, LP long play um, speeds and whatnot. So the quality was never as good, but you could own the tape at a cheaper price. So the one I have is one of those. It, it was it was a knockoff, um, a cheaper price and whatnot. But for the older films, like, you know, like for A Christmas Carol and Night of the Living Dead and, and you know, some of the old Universal Studio monster movies and whatnot, they're black and white. For them not to be like crystal perfect clear kind of actually gives them character and whatnot. So that that's the version that I have. And like I said, I have it both in black and white and color. Um, the thing is, is with this story, you have to ask, how can one really go without ever seeing this? I mean, this or some version of A Christmas Carol, as I mentioned before, you know, almost 12,000 different adaptations and versions of a christmas carol who at one point or another somebody has seen something like this um this one however the reason why i chose to go with this one is because this one is creepier than most versions this one like i said there are certain pockets of critics or fans or whatnot that would actually list this film as a horror film um or 
having elements of horror, I should say. Not so much a horror film, because it's not. At the end of the day, it's a family film uh, with a lot of heart, a lot of uh, good meaning and good message. But the Jacob Marley scene. Okay, so the Jacob Marley scene alone is enough to give someone nightmares, especially if you are kind of like weaker hearted or I shouldn't say weaker hearted, but like you have a hard time watching horror films. You have a hard time watching things that are creepy or scary. This is one of those films that even though it's a family film and whatnot, that scene with Jacob Marley approaching, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge has just come home from work. He's, he's tired. He's just, ready to go to bed and all of a sudden Marley starts haunting him. And I mean, there is some creepy scenery and I mean, it's a very loud scene. You know, it, it, I remember like one night I'm God, well, I've watched, it's quite often I've watched this at middle of the night. I mean, obviously I'm a night dweller and don't sleep at night and whatnot, but I mean, there was one night, way back when I was a kid and I again like I said I had the VHS so I was probably you know late teens maybe early 20s watching it in my basement because that's where my room was when I was a kid um watching it in the basement and everyone's asleep and I'm watching it at two in the morning and this scene pops up and all of a sudden I'm like running for the volume to turn it down because I didn't want to wake anyone in the house it's it's one of those scenes where like the rest of the movie is like a normal volume. It's, you know, it's average and whatnot. But then when Jacob Marley starts wailing, holy shit, you could blow some eardrums. And that's all credit to Michael Hordern. I mean, his performance as Jacob Marley's ghost is something else. And I mean, okay, so the man has 200 acting credits to his name. The one that really stood out for me was he was the voice of the wise man in Labyrinth. Um, the character that Frank Oz had, like portrayed, he did the voice for that. So I thought that was pretty cool. But his performance in this film, this was the performance, this was the moment of the film when I was like, I'm hooked. I am so into this, and there is no way I'm stopping until this is done. Um, and I mean, like a lot of people point out about, you know, the acting of Kathleen Harrison or Alistair Sim, and rightfully they should. I mean, I will get to those two in a minute. But Michael Hordern's performance, I mean, this is what won my heart. This was his Jacob Marley's ghost was so creepy, so gothic, so perfect. And then, of course, like after he's done like haunting, you know, Ebenezer and gives him his warning and says, you will be visited by three spirits and, you know, that whole spiel and whatnot. Ebenezer looks out the window to see like this. It's like a lamentation of 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 ghosts you know, who are lamenting, wishing they could have a second chance at life and whatnot. And all of a sudden you see Marley join in with them and he's like banging his chains and he's, he's doing like this haunting singing and whatnot. It's some creepy stuff. Like, and again, like I said, that's what stuck with me. I remember just watching this for the first time. And I mean, I I was kind of, I I don't want to say rebellious but i my attitude towards a christmas carol was that it's an old story it won't hold up today so when i was younger you know like in my really early days i never really cared to watch it i mean we had mickey's christmas carol right i remember seeing that as a kid and i was like well that's my christmas carol you know mickey's christmas carol and whatnot and i didn't care for live action like versions of it I maybe it's because this was the first live action version I actually took in of this film why it stuck with me so much but that Jacob Marley scene that was the one that pulled me in um and again Kathleen Harrison you know I might as well get into hers um she was funny she's she's funny she brings some levity to the film um her humor is like spot on. That was the thing about this film is it's this film is a drama. It's a comedy. It's a bit horror. It's family. It's fantasy. It's it's so many different genres wrapped up into one. Um, and then like there's the idea that, you know, it takes place in 1853, Victorian London, England. And the cinematography for this film and the sets and everything make it look perfect the town looks perfect the costumes look perfect the language 
Okay, yes. If you are not familiar with Victorian Day English, you know the the old English O L D E. You know, you're you're not familiar with that. At times, yes, it's going to have you wondering what everyone is talking about in this movie. Uh, <laughs> you're going to be like subtitles, please. Um, luckily, I mean, uh, let's be fair here. In most cases, the idea behind the dialogue is easy enough to follow. Um, but there's no modern day talk here. This isn't this isn't one of those films like okay, like recently The Witcher came out on Netflix and it's something I haven't taken in yet. I plan on watching that within the next couple of days. But I know that The Witcher is supposed to take place in like older times and yet they're dropping F bombs. Or Game of Thrones. You know, Game of Thrones is another one where there was like, you know, all this like current language, all the the swearing and whatnot, and yet in the times that this in the era that it's supposed to take place, that kind of talk just wasn't around. Or a perfect example, Ginger Snaps Back, uh, the third film, the, the the prequel of Ginger Snaps, where they're talking like it's like modern day times, but it's supposed to take place in like 1800 or 1700 Canada. So, I mean, with this film, there's none of that. There's no new speak. There's no vulgar language. No metaphors or sarcastic meme commentary or anything like that. It's just very proper English. And it, that's the thing with this film is it's proper English. It's it's the English that our language that we speak today and we use it so horribly. <laughs> um, it's what it was based off of. The music. The music by Richard Adensel. Very classical. It's a classical score. There's no synthesizers. There's none of that. I mean, of all the the films that I've been doing over the past year, how many of them were, you know, John Carpenter scores or, you know, this one did this synth score. That's a hard thing to say, too, like synth score. Like sometimes when I say it, I even notice it myself on the show. I'm like, nobody probably knew what I just said there because it comes out synth score. Um but yeah, there's none of that. Um, it's it's very classical, very traditional, uh, full orchestral performances, and it fits perfectly. It's gleeful when it needs to be. It's sad when it needs to be, and it's grim. It is very grim when it needs to be. Um, and, and and just like the the other thing, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the review, the cinematography, the one last thing I wanted to talk about is the idea of the use of shadows and lighting. Because this, even though I have a colorized version, the original version for this was black and white. 1951, they didn't have color yet. The colorized version came later when they did some digital, you know, editing to it and whatnot. But this is a black and white film, and the way it is filmed, the use of shadows and the lack of light when it's supposed to be dark, when it's supposed to be um, like Jacob Marley scene, like the, some of the shadows and whatnot, especially like when I was talking about like Ebenezer Scrooge looking out the window and there's that lamentation of, the, you know, the, the spirits. Some of the shadows used really help to complement that. Um, and it's something that I find today's film, I shouldn't say like it's not being done, but it's not being done often. A lot of things we see in films today is very straightforward. It's, um, there is, there's obviously tricks done with the cameras, but it's not like this. Like this was at a time when they didn't have digital effects. Everything was practical. Um, and they had to figure out a way to light a scene a certain way to give it the right atmosphere. And this film does it so well. It's a shame that there's no, um, there isn't a true widescreen version of this. Uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, there is a, what they call a faux widescreen version where they've kind of cropped the top and the bottom to make it fit a, a widescreen TV. But there actually is no version of that. Uh, because it would have been nice to see the full scope of the atmosphere, the setting, you know, everything that they had done when implementing, you know, the use of shadows and lighting. Like, it would have been nice to see the full thing that they saw. But unfortunately, we can't. But then again, that's part of its character, right? Uh, moving on. So the ghosts, there's three ghosts. Obviously, the three ghosts are important to the story. Uh, in this movie, I'm not going to lie. The ghost of future Christmases is the creepy one. Definitely. He's just that black cloak. 
doesn't say anything. Um, he is also the most brief. Uh, the, the ghost that we see the most of, I think, in this film is the ghost of Christmas past. Keep in mind, Scrooge has more years you know, behind him than he does in front of him. So obviously that would be the ghost that's going to take the longest. Um, and, you know, even though like the ghost of Jacob Marley brings the scare factor, it's seeing Ebenezer Scrooge through his past and how he started off as, you know, someone who still had love in his heart, someone who still cared, but to watch his progression from that too cold-hearted and distant it's quite heartbreaking and it at, at times it's even scary because you really do see how money and power and and business can change a person and i understand there are people in this world that are workaholics and that they need to work they need something to do and i understand that but sometimes that element of your life can also change you a lot and that was something that was done very well in this film was to show like especially with like his fiance alice and how he broke her heart you know because she knew he loved money more than he did her if something was to happen to her his automatic reaction would be how much is this going to cost um everything with with ebenezer how you know being tainted by that that greed, how it changed him, and that it, it's it's interesting to watch because that that ghost, even though like the the Christmas past ghost, he's kind of like you know he's got like you know this like angelic look to him. I mean, in most ways, he probably is an angel from you know the heavens or wherever the story is. I, I mean, obviously, this story believes in the heaven and hell and all that stuff. So he's an angel from heaven, whatever comes down and is like showing Ebenezer. This is who you were. And this is what you led yourself up to. And then the ghost of Christmas present comes in and says, okay, this is exactly what's going on right at this moment. And not just with your life, but with everyone else's around you. Um, the, these are the things that you wish almost could happen for people today. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it would be nice if some people could actually see how other people are living and how your life affects theirs as much as, you know, and I, I, I realize this is probably weird coming from the guy who has heckled more movies in the past two years. Um, and some movies that probably didn't deserve it. I know I rip on like Alien Covenant a lot and, you know, Book of Shadows and stuff like that. And I mean, they're movies, you know, but there's still people behind those movies. And I've said that before on this show. But this this movie, I, I wanted to to bring this movie to to the podcast because of, of this exact reason is the fact that this one man was given a chance to see who he was, who he became, how he affected others, and what would happen if he didn't change. That is such a great concept. And I, like I said, I know there's easily 12,000 different adaptations and versions of this story. It's not like it, you know, it's not like we don't know the story, but then you throw on top of all that, you have the performance of Alistair Sim. His performance, his transformation is perfect. You know, watching him go from, you know, not only from, you know, grateful and loving man to old miser, but then the transformation back. Seeing him when he wakes up after dealing with the the Christmas of future or the ghosts of Christmas futures, when when he wakes back up, like there's that funny scene where he's like, "I'm so happy right now, I need to stand on my head," and he literally scares the crap out of his house his housemaid. Like everything about his performance to watch him, you know, obviously he didn't play the younger Scrooge, but once he's once we see the adult Scrooge to, you know, the old miser and whatnot. And seeing how he was heartless towards people. And after this one night of being visited by the three ghosts, technically four ghosts, because he was visited by Marley as well. But seeing his transformation back to being, you know, a good guy. Every bit of his performance is just absolutely breathtaking. Um, 
I mean, Michael Hordern's performance is probably my favorite of this film, but Alistair Sim, again, just so perfect. Um, and the interesting thing about both actors, they both reprised their roles two decades later. Um, in 1971, there was um, an animated version of this movie uh, done by Richard Williams, and both Alistair Sim and Michael Hordern uh, reprised their roles. So, I mean, Alistair Sim was perfectly cast, so well directed. Uh, he brings to this movie a lead role that is a mark in cinematic history. Um, and I say that because it's timeless. Even though the film takes place in Victorian London, his performance is just, it still could even fit in modern day. Like, it's a benchmark that so many try to reach, but very few actually do. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll throw it out there. Uh, Scrooged, you know, with uh, Bill Murray. That's another, like, Christmas Carol favorite of mine. A Muppet Christmas Carol is another favorite of mine. But those, basically, those three films really stand out in terms of a Christmas Carol for me. And then Mickey's Christmas Carol, I know. It's a cheesy Disney movie, whatever. But I've always enjoyed it. I, I like that it's more condensed. It's, high, you know, 25 minutes, 28 minutes long, whatever. I've always enjoyed that, but in terms in terms of this film, Alistair Sim just he just he really does make the role of Ebenezer Scrooge his own, and it, it's funny because that's how people will and you know address this movie when they say, "Oh, I watched a Christmas Carol with," and you'll always you'll all, almost always hear you know it followed up with Alistair Sim unless you hear Reginald Owen or George C Scott Jim Carrey but i mean even that the Jim Carrey version i haven't seen it myself yet i've heard very mixed some people loved it some people didn't um now how this movie was received so trying to find reviews on the movie was not hard trying to find scores on this film was a little bit harder. Now, when the movie was released, I went with a few, um, or not a few, I went with one that, uh, one review that came from the time the movie was released in 1951 from the Washington Post, um, which basically said, you know, and actually it was kind of weird because when I was reading it, it said it was released in 1951 as a review of that time. And I don't think so, but it says anyways, this may not be a Christmas Carol of recent tradition, but I have an idea that it's the way Dickens would have wanted it. It's the way he wrote it. And I feel that that's very much true. Um, Granted, I've only read A Christmas Carol once ever in my life, and I was a lot younger, so I don't remember it very well. But if if memory serves well, it seems to me that this was kind of the way the book, like the, the story went um, as well. Now, Variety, however, they chose not to like this film. Um, they felt that the film was a grim thing that will give tender-aged kitties uh, viewing it, the a case of the screaming memes, and adults will find it long, dull, and greatly overdone. Um, I don't. I, I long. Uh, no, long is you know Braveheart. That's like four hours long. Long is Return of the King, which is four hours long. Long is Scarface, which is three hours plus. Um, this film is not long. It's eighty-six minutes. Uh, and it doesn't feel long. Like like I said, in terms of the three ghosts, the one you're with the most is the ghost of Christmas past because Ebenezer has more years behind him than he does in front of him. So naturally, it, it makes sense. Um, the, the film was one of the most popular in Britain. Uh, in 1952 especially. Because back then, like movies, when they went in the theater, they didn't come out like four weeks later. Sometimes movies were in theaters for a full year, two years, whatever. Um However, in the United States, apparently it was a disappointment, a huge box office disappointment. Um, like I said, I, I don't know because I couldn't find numbers anywhere for how much the movie made or whatnot. Um, even though it was a box office disappointment in the United States, I mean, it, it's obviously clear that this movie since then, much like It's a Wonderful Life, that's another film, you know, Horrible at the box office. Nobody cared for that movie. And now it's considered a timeless classic. So 
It's kind of like with the horror genre. How many movies do you know when they were in the theaters, they sucked? And now they're like cult favorites. So, I mean, this is another one of those films. IMDb has this movie at an 8.1 out of 10. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 85% approval rating from the critics, 87 approval rating from the audience score. Um, Metacritic had nothing on this film. As a matter of fact, there was um, I was reading an article on the Metacritic. Uh, it was about the top 10 Christmas movies of all time, and this movie wasn't even found on there. And yet there was like, um, oh, what was it? What did I fucking read was on that one pardon the expression but um there was like a really weird one that was in there that i was like how does this even fit i can't remember it now but um anyways this movie wasn't on there and i was like there how how, how do you not have a christmas carol um but yeah metacritic apparently has no score on this movie and they act like it doesn't exist so it's kind of weird the podcast zero rating or as i'm calling it this week and this is kind of a funny like seinfeld kind of joke i'm calling this the festivist feats of strength score yeah no no (laughs) whatever um and i i only thought of it because while i was writing out my review i saw something about seinfeld and festivus and i was like oh festivus feats of strength that's what i'll name the score this week uh anyways uh this movie has become a tradition every year for me most people have their christmas traditions like die hard it's a wonderful life uh for many horror nerds you know black christmas silent night deadly night etc etc you get the point This movie is one for me. Um, Every year I watch this at least once, sometimes twice. The look of the film, the feel of it, the darkness, uh, the contrast between the light and dark and the use of the shadows, the music, the performances, um, the enactment and the aesthetic of 1850s England and how it feels like I'm literally watching a piece, a timepiece from that era. Everyone has their favorite version of A Christmas Carol. Everyone does. Whether it's a Muppet Christmas Carol, Smurfs Christmas Carol, you know, Scrooged, uh, it it doesn't matter. Or it's another version of A Christmas Carol, you know, Reginald Owen or George C. Scott or whoever. Um, Everyone has their favorite. For me, it's this one. My score on this is a 10 out of 10. I feel it's a perfect film. I'm sure. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure if I looked, I could find things wrong with this movie. Every movie has its sin. It's That's the, the motto of cinema sins, right? Every movie has its sin, and they do. But I'm not looking for anything wrong with this movie because this movie has become very dear to me. This movie has everything that I love in a good movie. Um, it has its comedic value, and the humor is not forced. It fits well with the movie some of it's dark humor some of it is not so dark humor um it has drama it has a great message and it has its horror elements it there's some creepy stuff that goes on in this movie for me this movie is a 10 out of 10 um there's not much more i can say on that as much as i could have had fun with this movie i could have torn it apart if i wanted to but nothing i would have said would have would have actually made sense. It, you would be if I was to do that. You could tell I was reaching. Let's put it that way. So it's a ten out of ten for me. And on that note, thank you everyone for listening. Normally every week I'm f this, f that, and, you know, making obnoxious comments and whatnot. I, this is a special episode for me. Um, I feel it's special because I feel that. Especially, and you guys have heard, for those of you who listen to the show every week, you've heard me say it. I think social media is a very toxic and terrible thing. Um, While it has its pluses, don't get me wrong, everything has its positives to it. But there is a lot of negatives with social media these days. I I find that even within myself, you know, there are times that I kind of take a step back and I look at the person who I am. And I realize that... it's, it's hard. It's a struggle to not become what 
society wants us to become. Society is very hard, society is very tough on us, uh, and it tries to harden us and make us hateful people and whatnot. And I, I catch it in myself all the time. Like, there are days when I, you know, I come home from work and I'm like, anyone who was around me tonight probably hates me. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, is that deep down inside, a lot of us are good people that we, we want to do right, but the world twists us and the world has its way with us. And I like this movie for showing that Ebenezer Scrooge at his core was not a bad man. He got mixed up in things that twisted his views and made him somebody that at the end of the day, he really didn't want to be. And when it was brought to his attention, he made the change. And especially being this being a Christmas episode and whatnot. And I, I just wanted to put it out there that, you know, at the end of the day, we all need to be good to each other. The horror community is one that I love very much because in more cases than not, people are very open and, you know, we're always willing to talk about our favorite movies and we're always willing to suggest more movies. Uh, you, it's Star Wars, I, the reason why I brought up The Rise of Skywalker at the beginning of the episode is because, in my opinion, it's a good movie. It's fun. Star Wars fans have become very toxic as well. It, it's, it's become a community that you, you're almost afraid like to say, I like this movie because you know you're just going to get bombarded with comments about how stupid you are. But that's not the case. You know what you like. You love what you like. I'll be honest with you. If, if, if some of you knew the music I listen to on a daily basis, I go from like Ice Nine Kills to you know Christopher Drake's Arkham Origin soundtrack to Avril Lavigne to all of a sudden I'm listening to Cannibal Corpse. Like I'm all over the scope. The only music I don't really care for is country music, but I understand that country music has a huge following. I don't pick on people that like it. Well, I mean, my friends I do, but that's out of fun kidding and whatnot. But I mean, we all have the things that we love and we like, and it's the same with movies. It's the same with, you know, foods. Foods, my God. Some people, you know, we all like what we like. And I find that in today's day, especially like like I was saying, you know, with the rise of Skywalker, I know people are going to complain, and I know that there are going to be people that if I put it out there in the ether of the world and say, I like this movie, there's going to be someone who's going to tell me I'm stupid, or that someone is going to say, yeah, you probably thought The Last Jedi was awesome. Yeah, I did actually. I enjoyed that movie too. So what? Like, it is what it is. Um, the world is it's a piece of crap at times and this movie is always a great reminder every year i watch this movie same with scrooge scrooge um with bill murray is another film there are two movies that every year i watch them and it, it, it reminds me that you know deep down inside we are we're all trying and we all have our things and we all it, I always say this, our environment makes us and sometimes we come from crappy environments and it makes us crappy people, but we can change and that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode. So again, thank you everyone for listening. I have talked a lot with a really bad voice this week, so I'm going to just drop the where to find the podcast lurkers recommendation and announce next week's episode and then we're out of here. All right. So where to find the podcast? Well, you're listening to it. So Obviously, you found it somewhere, but you want to ref- you want to refer it to a friend. You want to, you know, tell people, hey, here's this really cool podcast where the guy sometimes is nice, even though most of the times he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> you can find it at Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Castbox, FM Player, or at its home at the Next Level Network, thenextlevelnetwork.com. Um, there is at least a dozen shows if not more on this network now and a lot of them are really good ones so check them out the next level network.com slash podcast zero is the page for this uh specific podcast you can also find the podcast at what lurks behind podcast and you can email me at what lurks behind podcast zero at gmail.com on social media social media you can follow the podcast through facebook at facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero or on instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero as well twitter 
The Twitter address is at WLB podcast underscore zero. So we're going to do it like this. Lurker's recommendation. I'm going to make this quick. I'm going to make it to the point. I'm not spoiling anything. Check out the movie The Lighthouse starring Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. It is now available digitally. I believe the physical release is coming next week. If I remember correctly, check it out. Um, it's awesome. That's all I'm going to say. I, it might might even be one of my movies of the year. Um, next week, I, I might quickly brush up on kind of movies that impressed me this past year. Uh, but next week's episode is one that, again, back in the summer, I thought, you know what? I, I know a good episode for this week specifically because next week's episode is... Um, based on a movie that during a New Year's Eve celebration, a Los Angeles disc jockey receives a phone call saying that when New York New Year's strikes in each time zone, someone will be murdered and she will be the last one. It's New Year's Evil from 1980, guys. It's another uh, American slasher flick. Came out at the time, you know, Black Christmas was big, Friday the 13th was big, pieces and hey don't open till Christmas and all these different movies were coming out. Well, this one is New Year's Evil. Um, we're going to close out this week with a track that is one you would not expect to hear on this podcast. It's a song that give you a quick history on it. So way back in the day, living in our old neighborhood, um, my mom used to have this thing uh, through cable, cable TV. Um, if you had digital cable, you got these free like music channels. And my mom, every morning to set the mood up, she would put the Christmas music on, like, you know, whatnot. And I'm getting ready to go to work. And I'm just about to walk out the door, and this song kicks on, and I'd never heard it before in my life. And I was like, oh, my God, I kind of dig this tune. I'd never heard it before again, and ever since then, it became kind of a joke that I was like, I love this song. So the song that I'm closing out this week is Soulful Christmas by James Brown. I know you would not expect to hear this on this podcast, but I love this song. Um, That's basically it, kids. Uh, Merry Christmas or Happy Festivus, Joyeux Noel, Uh, Merry Krumpishnacht, Happy Hanukkah, or just a happy any good old day of the week whatever you celebrate whatever holiday like i've said it in the past you know the week of christmas there's something like a dozen different holidays from different you know religions and backgrounds and whatnot so i mean whatever you celebrate have a good day have a good week um that's it for me we're gonna close out with james brown and next week from 1980 new year's evil Show's over, kids. You can go home now. Bye.